It's been a week. It's been quite the week, hasn't it? For uh, I'm sure for everyone, um, I can speak personally that, you know, obviously the stress of the storm was something this week. And then uh, we, uh, the church, and not just, my, just not my wife and I and some, you know, many of our dearest friends here at the church, but the church in general, uh, we lost someone this week who uh, was just a, a founding person of, the, of this ministry. And she went home to be with the Lord on Tuesday, Ms. Dory Beamish. Um, if you didn't know that, that's, I'm sorry you're, you're finding out maybe this way. But she, she, she was the, the older lady that sat out here to the right as you're exiting behind that table. Been there every week for many, many, you know, since day one. Started the seniors here, did all the trips in the past. And uh, it's just one of those things that it's hard to, to, to wrap your mind around because it's like a pillar. You know, it's, it's like when... When a part of a building, all of a sudden you walk up and there's a pillar missing. But then you realize, you know, that that's not how that really works. There's always new people that come along and see that need and then they step in to that part. And that's the great thing about ministry is that it keeps going. And when we lose somebody like a Dory, like somebody who is so, she was such a big part of me and my, my wife's life and many of your lives as well. Um, it, it, it hits so hard when they go, but at the same time, it, it's a reminder that the ministry continues and that what we can do here in our time is so important, but it's also a good thing for us to raise up others to learn how to do stuff so that when we're gone, other people can do it and that the ministry continues on and the legacy of Christ lives through others because at the end of the day, it's all about Him and not about us, right? So it, it was a great reminder for me this week. Um, my wife and I had the privilege of being there with Miss Dory as she passed. And uh, as difficult as that was, that's, I couldn't help but think, you know, she's, gonna, she's going forward, she's going to be with her Savior, and we're going to keep going down here. And we're going to keep trudging along. And that's what she would want us to do. And uh, I just wanted to just say a brief word about her because she meant the world to us. And uh, she, was, she was family to us. And it was, it was a big loss. So, um, but again, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about nature versus nurturing. Um, it's, it's always been the big debate in circles of, you know, just psychology, sociology. The idea of what, what, what forms us into who we are today. Does nature do that? Or does nurturing do it? If someone is born bad, can they be grown and nurtured out of that? Well, I don't think there's really that much of a debate personally, because if the Bible's true, which I kind of sort of think it is, right? Nurturing wins over nature. Because when we get saved and we accept Christ as our Savior, the old creature dies and we're a new creature in Christ. We, we don't have to be the same animal that we were before, the same person that we were before. So as parents, uh, we have a responsibility to, to nurture our children and, and to teach them right from wrong, up from down, left from right. So that's what we were going to talk about this morning. <clears throat> so the idea of nature... It's an in, those are inborn characteristics as an influence on the determinant of, determinant of personality. 
So again, like I said, it depends, you know, who you are today is based on just who you were going to be. It doesn't matter where you were born, who, um, who, who your parents were. It, it, none of that matter. You're, you're going to be who you are. There's no altering who you are because that's just who you're meant to be. But nurturing is different. It's the upbringing, the education, the environment contrasted with inborn characteristics. So there is nature involved as an influence on a determinant of your personality. So nurturing has, has an effect. Your surroundings has an effect. Forgive me, I'm going to take a lot of sips today with my throat. So Proverbs 22.6 says, Direct the, ch- the children into the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. I like that. I like that NLT better, um, just in, especially with the Old Testament, because it's, it actually uses the old Dead Sea Scrolls that they found. So it's the most recent transcriptions that we have of the Old Testament, the oldest stuff possible in the NLT. And that way of saying it there just really, really hits me hard because it's directing your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave from it. It's, it's, it's an idea of giving constant direction, constant um, raising up, nurturing, not nature. As parents and grandparents, we're to direct, not yield authority to the young people in our lives. Now, this is hard to do sometimes, but we have to do it. This is what we're called to do. If children are running the show at home, only in disaster and pain can come of it. As adults, we struggle to do the right thing, so how can we expect our children to know what to do right from wrong? We have to, as parents, step up. Sometimes we want to be their friends more than their parent. And believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm as a grandparent, oh my goodness, it, it's horrendous how much my grandchildren put me through it because I just want to love them. I just want to be their buddies. I never want to see them upset. I never, want to, I never want to hurt them. I never want to make them angry. I just want them to love me. And that doesn't always work. Because if I do that, they're going to do whatever they want. And they're going to go completely out of control. But the thing is, if you and I struggle with our sin life as adults, and we've seen the world the way the world works, Right? We've seen how things go. We see decisions that grown adults with lots of life experience make. How can we expect a child to make decisions for themselves? Now, this isn't, I'm not, you guys, some of you might be thinking I'm going down a certain road, but I'm not going down any specific road, except for to say it's our job to teach them what to eat, what to watch on TV, and how to spend their time now on the Internet. Now, like, I'll give you a quick story about the eating thing. A week ago, Sunday. A week ago today. I, uh, I took my grandkids home. And we, the day before, on last Saturday, we, had, we, we baked muffins. Cupcakes. And they were too hot to ice before they went to bed. So I said, we're going to ice them in the morning. Perfect. We'll do it. I get back from church. We'll do that. Get out there. We start, we're icing them. I, when I get them home from service last week. And they want to eat them right away. I'm like, no, no, no. I said, we're going to let the icing sit and like, and like get a little hard. And what we're going to do lunch first. And my granddaughter, if you weren't out here the, the second service, I, but my granddaughter was, was right over here last week. Sweetest little thing on earth. She knows I love her to the moon and back. But she got so mad at me. 
Okay? And I asked her, what do you want for lunch? I don't know. I said, okay. And I'm not going to go into the whole, I'll be here all morning explaining this whole scenario. But at the end of the day, she was so angry with me. She went into her room, slammed the door, and then locked herself in the closet. Because I asked her what she wanted for lunch. So I made her lunch. She didn't want it. And now remember, this is all about the cupcakes. And you know where we found the media, the, the middle line, where, where we negotiated to? And again, this is, this is why, you know, pastor says I should preach on things I'm good at. I'm telling you right now, I'm not really good at this. Because she wanted the cupcakes and she ended up with pancakes. It's the same exact thing, right? I mean, it's the same food, just a different shape. <clears throat> but I got to hold my ground and say no to the thing initially and not give in to that thing. In her mind, she may not know the difference, and that's what I'm banking on. So don't tell her, please. <laughs> but that Internet thing is a big deal nowadays, okay? And anybody with kids knows this. Grandparents, I'm sure you know this as well by now. But we can't let the cell phone, tablet, or computer be what's raising your kid for you today. And what do I mean by that? The idea that we, we give so much time to the Internet... We have to be careful how much time and what our children are viewing and what they're watching and what they're, what they're in, bringing into their hearts. I have an old friend, and the way she used to put it was, I don't want that on my kid's CD. And for those of you that aren't old enough to know, remember this, before MP3s, before Spotify and everything else, there were CDs. And CDs... They actually had some that were rewritable. You could like record on them over and over again. And some of them you couldn't. And she was talking about the ones that you couldn't. Because once you see something or you hear something, it's not going away. It's in there. So we have to be so careful about what our children are exposed to. We have to do better starting today, or everyone you love will pay the price later. You might get that, that moment of love. You might get that, oh, Grandpa, oh, I love you, thank you. But if my granddaughter, if I continue down this road, and if I just let her do whatever she wants with her food choices, right now she's skinny, she's perfect, she's healthy, but if she's 300 pounds overweight someday and a diabetic... And she can somehow trace that back to me being super passive with her food choices? Is she still going to love me and respect me and look, look up to me? Or is she going to look at me and probably blame me? Because I was a child and you should have known better. You were the adult. So it's up to us to make those choices for them. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For one man who sows unto his own flesh from, uh, will from that flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows from the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Why do, we, why do we surrender and let nature take its course? Why don't we nurture and let nature go? We don't want the fight. It's tough. I had this, like I said, my, my, my granddaughter lost her mind. She got so mad at me over a cupcake. I bend over backwards for her all of the time. I give her whatever she wants. 
And that was the final straw. She had to eat real food before bad food. Your, your kids at home might have 80% of their friends on the Internet. 90% of their friends on the Internet. All of their friends might be on the Internet. Kids don't socialize the way they do today. That's why I think those shows like Stranger Things and things like that are so popular because you see children interacting with each other, getting on bikes and riding around and having adventures together. It's, a, it's not a normal thing anymore. I'll never forget watching um, this, this video on the, in, on the Internet about my generation in high school interacting. It was like home video camera stuff, interacting in a, in a cafeteria. And all the comments were, I can't believe how much they're talking to each other. Look how happy they look. All the comments. And it just was like normal lunch. And I don't know what it is now today, but it's not the same. People think that's a foreign thing to interact with each other. Hebrews says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. I tell you, my mom's going to be in the next service and she can vouch for it. You try to correct me and I get my back up so quickly, it's ridiculous. Especially as a kid. I was terrible. I, I think when I hit 40, I started to finally understand that I don't know everything. It's sad, but that's who I am anyway. And I don't know how many of you are that way, but it's, that's part of that fight. That's part of what you have to deal with with children is that they think they know it. Or they don't even think they know it, but they don't care because they're living in the moment. There is no tomorrow. But that doesn't seem joyful to be, to be trained. But yet those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. The hard work today will pay off down the road. That's why we have to put the time in today. We want to be their friends. Who doesn't want to be their kid's friend? That's what we want. But Proverbs says, Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. And those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Those are harsh words, aren't they? The King James says, Spare the rod, spoil the child. And that's not talking about beating your kid every time they're bad. I'm not suggesting that whatsoever. A rod of discipline is something that you don't have to use. Like, I knew my dad could pummel me, but he rarely had to do it because I knew the, the capabilities were there. We need to understand that our children need that discipline because without the discipline, they don't feel loved. They're only getting these little momentarily things that, that make them feel good. So we have to give them discipline. That's how they know that, that they matter. Because why else would we put the trouble in? And this is a, this is a, hard, a big one too for us and, and, and grandparents especially. We don't want to cause trouble with our kids, old or young. As grandparents, I, under, I understand it's like you don't want to go and tell your children how to raise their kids. And as a child, I don't want to have my parent tell me how to raise my kids. But I tell you, we all have to humble ourselves a little bit and be able to have a conversation. And as I said, by the way, the fifth commandment doesn't go out the window at 18. Fifth commandment is honor your mother and father. So that means when my mom comes to me and goes, you know, this and that and this and that, after we got together, 
I take it. And even if I don't agree with it, and even if I don't apply it, I listen. Because there could always be something I can take from my mother's wisdom. There's always something I can take that I may not have picked up on, but I've gotten better at not getting my back up and not hearing a single word that she says. So as a young parent out here today, I suggest and I just ask you, honor your parents by at least listening and just being respectful enough to let them get it off their chest if they have a concern over your children. Because your, your parents love your, your children like you would not believe. It's an insane thing a grandparent's love for a grandchild. It's insane. And they just want the best for you and them. So let's, let's have open doors of communication. And perhaps the worst of all, we don't want to be bothered. This is the sad one. We let the, um, the computers and the tablets and the phones take over because we're too busy with our own things we're watching on TV. We're too busy with our own hobbies, with our own likes, our own dislikes. Whatever we're doing, whatever we're into, we can't be bothered because it's a 24-7 job. It's a hard job. I've heard comedians make fun of the fact that women say, you know, that it's not one, you know, I work too as a stay-at-home mom. It's one of the hardest jobs on the planet. I don't care who says what about it. The mental gymnastics you have to go through to keep a child active and involved and, and to be excited over playing hide-and-seek in a, in, in a hundred-square-foot area over and over again is ridiculous. Moms have it harder. I mean, I'd rather go work in a coal mine any day of the week than do this 24-7. It is really, really hard. And we just have to understand that our, when our own comfort becomes more important than the future of our kids, we're in trouble. When our own swiping becomes more important than what our kid's trying to show us, because he's doing something that's really mundane to, to us, because it's not, you know, he's done it over and over again. My grandson's gotten into the bottle flipping thing. That's still around, by the way, in case you guys don't know it. You know, they flip the bottle, and if it lands on the bottom of it, it's a, oh, and if it lands on the cap, it's like he expects fireworks. I put my phone down and have watched him for 20, 30 minutes flip a bottle. Because working on this message has taught me that I need to be more present in his life when he's doing things that matter to him. So let's face it. We don't even know who's entertaining our children when we're giving them this much time on the Internet. If you're paying attention, folks, if you look online and you see these people, I can't even think of the names right now, but these YouTube stars and things like that, they come out very mundane, very childlike, a lot of fun for these kids. And most of it is, forgive me, but just stupid. Little, like, no words involved, just silly faces, running around, acting goofy. And I get that for, for moments on time. But after a while, you come to find out that these people aren't good people. And that they're actually teaching things to, to children that should not be taught. And it's, you just don't pay attention because it's so mundane. It's so mind-numbing. You don't pay attention. You don't watch it. But they're introducing things. All the way down to bad attitudes. There was one thing I saw with my, my grandkids. Again, we're watching this thing. It was a mundane, silly little cartoon 
But then we start to understand that it was about a little girl and a bear. And the little girl had a bad attitude. A terrible attitude. And all the bear did was try to make the little girl happy. My granddaughter started to impersonate the little girl. It didn't take long. And then we wonder why. Where does the attitude come from? Where does this happen? They're watching stuff. They're learning things and we don't even know it. And often we don't know until it's too late that they're being influenced by others. And we don't want that influence in our children's lives. And when trouble comes, God doesn't promise to bail us out of this mess that we've made of our lives and our children's lives. When bad things happen, so often we'll look at, we'll shake our fists at heaven and go, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why is the devil after me? Why is, why? Why did I? Why did he? The truth is, going back to the old, the other, the, the, the other scripture, what you sow is what you reap. You can't put out seeds of one thing and expect something else in return. That's not how anything works. If you put time in, there's no guarantee things are going to be perfect. There never is. But if you put time in, you have a better chance of your children coming out better. So Proverbs says, says, when they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. This is God. This is amazing, this proverb to me. About, about how He does turn sometimes away from us when we've sought out our own destruction. For they hated knowledge and chose not the fear of the Lord. They rejected my advice. They paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. So next time things go wrong, if you can trace it back to some decisions you've made, own it. The simpleton turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. There's that complacency word. But we just let things happen. Let nature take its course. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled, untroubled by fear of harm. So if we listen to him and take his word, take him at his word, he'll, he won't turn away from us. But the good news is, once we do that, God will work with us. Just because he turns away and because if you can't find him, you can't see him, that doesn't mean he's gone. And he'll work with you, where, not where you should be, but right where you are. But you have to come to him. You have to humble yourself and come to him. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Now, it's just funny because people would say that those are two, you know, that's one of the things that makes the Bible, you know, untrue. Because how can God be one way and then another? Have you ever, you've been a parent or a grandparent or just a friend? You can give advice to your blue in the face. And when someone doesn't take it, you're like, okay, have at it. Right? You let a kid once in a while do something stupid so they learn from it. So trusting in this promise, we can start doing things differently today. And I'm always about starting today. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. Don't think about all the troubles that have been. Let's start fresh today. 
It's not going to be easy, and it's going to need time, love, patience, and understanding. You've got to take one day at a time if you're going to make these change, any changes in your life with these things. It's okay to get frustrated when there's resistance, and there will be resistance. If you're going to cut back on your kids' internet time and can start controlling what they're looking at on their phones or controlling their time on their phones, there's going to be a lot of resistance. But love them in spite of themselves, just as the Lord Jesus Christ has loved you. He gets a lot of resistance from us, doesn't he? And Jesus told us that things will not always go the way that we want them to every single time. Things don't go the way he wants them to. He he wishes that all would be saved. So we're going to talk about the parable of the sower. When a large crowd was coming together and those from the various cities were journeying, journeying to him, he spoke by way of parable. The sower went out to sow the, his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road and it was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil and soon it grew up and withered away because it was no moisture. Other seed fell away from the thorns, um, fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked the life out of it. Other seed fell into good soil, though, and grew up and produced a crop, fruit, a hundred times as great. And he said these things he would call out. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, was he talking to anybody that didn't have ears? I think everyone probably had ears. And what does farming have to do with what I'm talking about today? The idea of not giving up and understanding that sometimes you're going to talk to your blue in the face and you're not going to see any results. You're going to sow seed with your children, with your grandchildren, with your grown children... And it's going to not yield fruit right away. We can't expect there to be immediate gratification. It's a long-term commitment, selling out to, our, to, to giving our lives up for our children so that they can be better people. And I love, the, I love this uh, here, um, the second verse is my, one of my favorites. I love this. His disciples began questioning him as to what the parable meant. And he said... To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is parables. So seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. You know what that tells me? First time it told me, what? I was like, I don't even know what that means. But it dawned on me, they, they asked him the question, what does that mean? It's okay to ask questions. Jesus is congratulating them on acknowledging the fact that they don't know it all. So many times today we hear people talk about things and they talk like they have it all down. They've got it like figured out. And most of the time we're all just kind of treading water out here. And Jesus was proud of them for acknowledging that they didn't get it. So he said, understand. Now, the parable of this, the seed is the word of God. So the word of God is truth and truth will not return void. That's a good thing about that is that we know no matter, we keep sowing that word of truth out there 
and will someday get root. Don't give up because if you direct your children in the right path, when they grow older, they will not leave it. Don't expect that change today. The word older is there for a reason. Not today, not tomorrow, maybe not even while you're on this earth. How many of us were raised in the church and didn't come to Christ till much, much later? Amen. I wanted to be a priest. I grew up as a, I, wanted, I was an altar boy and I wanted to be a priest and then I fell away altogether. And the only reason why I'm in church today was because my kids needed it. And then I come to realize I'm a train wreck and I need Jesus. But if you do give up, you can bet that void that you're leaving there is going to be filled by something else. Something else that you will not be able to, to combat with uh, as easily as you can by just standing up now. Those beside the road, excuse me, those beside the road are those who have heard then the devil comes away, comes to take away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So when you cast some seed, and if you stop casting that seed before it hits the, the good soil, if you don't say enough good things, if you don't do enough good actions at home, and yet it does take works to make your children better people, you can't say one thing and be another. Don't be a hypocrite. Your children will sniff that out instantaneously. We have to be what we, we have to practice what we preach. We have to be real. We have to be honest. They already know you're not perfect. Just be the best you you can be today. But the goal is, of course, to be better tomorrow. So that your children are growing with you. And they're seeing a difference in you. They may not acknowledge it. They may not be able to say, to, to be able to know it at that moment. Because I, I, I don't know how you guys were as a kid, but I was pretty self-absorbed as a, as, a, as a young person. All I cared about was whatever I was doing at that moment. But I can look back now as an adult, when I'm older, and see the changes in my parents' lives. And those on rocky soil are those who, when they hear, they receive the Word with joy. But they have no firm root. And they believe for a while... And a time of temptation will fall away. It's you against the world, parents. The seed which fell among the thorns are the ones who have heard. <coughs> and they go on their way. Uh, they are choked in, with worries and riches and pleasures of this life which bring no fruit to maturity. The world is full of vines out there, isn't it? The Internet's full of things that will take anything that you say and twist it into something that's an untruth. When you look at the story of creation and how, how we're made in God's image and that Jesus Christ died for us, He died for you specifically. And the world twists that into some false lie about a big bang and that we're a bunch of gobbledygook that got struck by lightning and turned into an amoeba. And then the amoeba turned into a frog, and then the frog turned into a person over time. I mean, it's a, I mean it's, it doesn't need a punchline. It's, it's a joke and it's in and on itself, and it's a ridiculous thought because there is no real proof of any of it. 
but it's spoken of as fact. And let me give you a little segue here. When you do get it, if you do decide, folks, just to, to batten down the hatches and get into the, your, the God's Word with your children, don't introduce Noah's story as a story. Here's a bedtime story, kids. Here's Noah's ark. And, and introduce it like a story, like it's a bedtime thing, the same as um, the emperor's new clothes or something like that. Introduce it as this is God's word and we believe God's word is true. And a mi- long time ago, there was this man named Noah. And then tell the story. Because when these kids are getting introduced to evolution, it's not we think, it's not we, have, we, we believe, which is that's if you read the textbooks, that's what they really say. It's being introduced to them as fact. But the good news, you have been nurtured, so you, you can also be a nurturer. John wrote, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than is he that is in this world. So we have the opportunity to do better than what we're doing. Even if you're doing a great job, we can still always do better. And a seed doesn't take root the first time, keep sowing. But the seed that landed on good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest, good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. There's that perseverance word. The word perseverance means time. Going back to that word older again. Nurture or nature. So how do you keep going? Give them an example to live up to, a Christ-like example. Now I understand that's a tall order. It's hard to do. But take baby steps. Do little things at a time. And after a while you'll get, you'll, you'll get better. You're never going to be Christ-like, trust me. You'd, I will never be Christ-like. You're never going to meet someone Christ-like. You, the best of us will never be Christ-like. But Jesus Christ is a standard which we are, are striving for. So we need to spend more hands-on time with our kids and grandkids. Hands-on, I mean present time, not just be in the room. When I take my grandkids to the park, do you know how often I, I'm there and I see the parents on their phones? Little Johnny over there might be beating the snot out of some kid. Or, or pulling some little girl's dress over her head. But dad's over here. Who's teaching them if you're not? The, the person at school that has 30, 40 other little hellions running around, they're going to be able to get little Johnny and control them? That's not going to happen, is it? It's up to you. We have to take our responsibility for our own. So let's put down the phones as adults. Remember, they're going to do what we do. Going through life, I don't know how many, again, I can only speak from personal experience and it drives me nuts sometimes how much I am like my mother or my father. There's times I catch myself, the things that drive, used to drive me nuts about my dad, I catch myself doing it. And I'm like, oh no, my grandkids are going to be gr- just gritting their teeth someday at my behavior in front of their friends. But we have to set an example. If we don't put our phones down, they're not going to know any different. We all grew up without these things. We all grew up without even knowing. A phone was something that was attached to the wall. And if you were lucky enough to have an extension cord long enough to go hide in another room, you were golden. Not something that's attached to our face or in our hands 24-7. 
Our children have no hope if they don't see something different at home. Learn their interests and talk about it, even if you're not into it. My son, who is in his <clears throat> mid-30s right now, a couple of years ago invited me to a concert. And I love music, but not his kind of music. He, he, he wanted me to go to, and maybe, maybe you guys have never heard of it, but Screamer Music. Full-blown metal concert. On a boat, driving around the Statue of Liberty. So I'm going to be at this concert, on a boat, dri driving around Statue of Liberty. And I immediately said yes. Because he invited me to something. And at the time, he was in his late 20s. And I thought... To have somebody in that, to have a, my son ask me to do something like that at his age, there's no way hell or high water I'm going to miss it, regardless if I want to do it or not. And I had more fun that night than I've had in forever. One, because the music wasn't as bad as I thought. It was live. It was different. Live experience is always different. I expected to see people doing drugs in the corner and all just craziness going on. They were the nicest group of people I ever met. It learned, it was a reminder to me to, you know, to pull that little beam out of my eye. It was a good reminder to me. And I got to see my son in, in, among his friends in his element as a grown man, having a good time as a responsible adult. And so many of my fears were washed away. It was such a blessing to be a part of that. It's a memory we still share together, and it was one of the best nights of my life. So learn their interests. Plug into it. Ask questions, even tough questions. You'll get one-word answers or shrugs. Or, but because it will plant the seed of how much your, their thoughts and opinions matter to you. Ask the questions. Keep talking. Don't expect answers. Half the time, you don't want the answers anyway. Honestly, you don't want to hear what was going on through their crazy minds or their hormone-induced crazy mindset. They don't know what's going on. And it's not their fault. We've all been there. Do things they want to do even if you don't. My dad, when he, my dad was a hard-working guy, and his only thing was he would work, and he'd walk like 10 miles on the beach... And then he'd sleep in his chair. Those were my dad's things when I was a, when I was a, I was a young man. And he always asked me to go walk on the beach with him. I never went once. I never went once. It wasn't my interest. But he showed up to my games. He showed up to things that meant something to me. As parents, we have to do these things. Go to your kids' practice. Don't say anything. You don't, have to, you don't have to be involved. Be there. Be present. Be involved in that way. They need us and we need them. But there is no I in team. So don't do this alone, parents, grandparents. Talk to your friends. Talk to your kids' friends' parents. And because I guarantee you, they all have these thoughts. They all have these concerns. You hear about children going disappearing. You hear about children getting molested, meeting grown men online. 
the whole, you know, whatever his name was, sitting at the, at the counter in, in the kitchen, and some random guy walking in with a bag full of paraphernalia that they're going to molest some child with on Dateline. This is all from the internet. Everyone's scared. Everyone doesn't know what to do. So if you talk to other people in your circle and say, together, help me. Because if your little one comes over and goes, well, you know, Billy's mom says, you know, that he can watch TV all night or he can have his phone all day and he never gets it taken away. You'll know it's a lie because you've talked to Billy's mom. If you band together, you'll be stronger and you won't feel like you're just out there on an island by yourself. So talk to friends. Talk to people. Build a team. Because you know the kids will build a team against you. Nurture their nature. Think back to when you were a kid. What did you want from people in your life? Time. Time equals love and affection. I heard a stat this morning. I don't know if it's true. Again, it was on the internet. I'm a hypocrite. But I'm going to say it anyway. It's not a fact, but I'm going to talk like it is. You get your kids for 19 years. You get them in the house for the first 18. And if you're lucky, the rest of your life comes to about a year's worth of time. People get busy. Families. Jobs. 18 years isn't that long. It's really not 18 years because they're in school most of the time. You're working a lot. How many hours a day do you really have to make a difference in your child's life? Give them that time. They may not even know how much they want and need your time because they've become so used to being entertained in 15-second increments. Whatever you do may not be well-received, but don't give up. Keep fighting. Well, I should say leading. Because Jesus did not give up on you. God demonstrated His own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. Now, I'm not comparing us to Jesus, but I tell you what, parents, grandparents... We're the only thing standing in defense against the, against the world against for your children. No one else is going to do it. You may have well-intentioned people in your life, other adults that love your kids and will be there, but no one's going to fight them off like you. What was the whole Palin line? A pit bull with a lipstick or whatever it was? That's what made her famous because people could relate. That whole thing that I'm going to fight. I'm going to, rip off, I'm going to rip your throat out if you go against something that I love. For while we were yet enemies, we were, yet, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So in closing, I just want to thank you for being here this morning. And with that last bit of Scripture, I wanted to talk to you about whether or not you're saved. And uh, I I did this once before a while back, but I'm going to ask you to do it again if you don't mind. Could you put your fingers right here to the side of your neck? Mine's pounding about a million miles a minute right this second. I don't know how you guys are doing. Some of you might be half asleep by now. But thank you for not snoring. 
But that, 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 that sensation you got in your neck right there is the only thing keeping you from passing through the veil. And when I say passing through the veil, moving on to this next life, there is another life after this life, the final life. And there's no coming back from it after, after we're gone. And we have no guarantee once you climb into the car today. I mean, we're going to do communion here in a second. And heaven forbid it's never happened on, that I know of. But people, you know, someone could choke to death on communion out there. And I hate to make like, the light of it a little bit, but it's the truth. We have no guarantees about the next moment. And hell is forever. Heaven is forever. Eternity is something that's outside of time. We have no concept of it. And I beg you today, if you do not remember the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if it's something that you've always just said that you are, because you were raised in the church, I ask you to search your heart and make sure you know the moment when you ask Christ into your heart, when you ask for forgiveness of your sins, and you chose Him. He did all the work on the cross. But you have to accept Him and trust Him. Put all of your cards on Him and, and believe in Him. And I call it ABCs of salvation to accept the fact that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, and choose Him. Ask Him into your heart. Ask for forgiveness of your sins. And confess Him with your mouth. That's what Jesus said. If you confess, you're going to be with Him in paradise. So let's pray. And then we're going to head on out for communion in just a second. Father God, again, we thank you, Lord, for, for this morning. We thank you for this time together. And uh, we ask you, Lord, to, to help us make those stands in our lives, Lord, to, to help our children and give our children the things that they need to be stronger in you, Lord, to come back to you someday, Lord, and to be, to be strong in their faith and to be better, happier people, people for it, Lord. We love you, Lord. We ask you to bless this time. We ask anyone in this room that does not know you personally, Lord, that they would ask you into their hearts this morning and ask you to be saved. And once again, Lord, we love you and we say this in your holy name. Amen.